Hello, welcome back to another episode of American Loser, all right? It's the show that's been called NPR with F-bombs. Very happy to be here. My name is KP Burke. we got another edition of the show here. Back in studio with us, as always, is the big kahuna. Oh, hey, what's up, everybody? We're over here at a shared universe down in Eatontown. Megan Zapsik are taking good care of us, as always. Welcome back, Larry Burke. Hey, there we go. All right, so if this is your first time listening to the podcast, what we do here is we dive in every week. We, ta- uh, we tackle the topic of... Uh, who do we think is one of the biggest losers in American history? Okay, so each week we're going to have a different one. It's kind of like a fun history podcast we're doing here. The best thing about this is that we're shining the light on second place. Okay, so when you hear loser, people think it's the connotation of it being like the person is a loser, right? Because like a, you know, kind of like a douchebag or whatever. But sometimes you're just the loser because you came out on the bottom half. You know what I mean? That they screwed. It's not necessarily that they screwed up or anything, but there has to be a winner and loser in a lot of competitions. So it's not necessarily a bad thing here. We're going to dive into a topic real quick. I know uh, you're a well-traveled man, Big Kahuna. Is that correct? Yes, indeed. Have you ever been to uh, Hawaii? Wow, that's the one place I haven't been. I have never been to Hawaii either. <laughs> I, I was a Navy guy. I almost had a chance to, to live there. That would have been pretty cool. And my father, who's a well-traveled person, uh, has not been to Hawaii either. No, nope, right? I haven't been. Now, in studio today, she's not on the podcast. My beautiful mother is here, and she has been to Hawaii, right? Right. Now, Mom, thumbs up or thumbs down on Hawaii? From what she saw, she says it's pretty good. So, uh, weird thing about them. Uh, now, Hawaii, uh, when it eventually came into the United States, it was not one of our original 13 colonies. You know what I mean? But uh, what do you know about the last queen of Hawaii, Kahuna? You know anything? Nothing at all, right? Nothing. I, I, I do remember that there was a monarch, but it ended not not recently, but it ended like – Maybe a century ago? Ooh, guess what we're talking about today, buddy. <laughs> we're talking about the last... Oh, okay. We are talking about the last queen of Hawaii, Queen Lily Yukalani. Okay? Uh, she's a fascinating person here. Uh, she's the last queen of Hawaii, like we said. she was. This is legitimate royalty, too, by the way. All right? Legitimate royalty here. Uh, she was... First of all, everybody recognized Hawaii as its own uh, kingdom, if you will. Right? So there was a king of Hawaii. Uh, there's this whole thing, too. I believe there's a movie coming out soon. Starring The Rock, that's going to have uh, the history of King Hamea who Oh, so Moana too. Ah, there we go. Too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but legitimate, legitimate royalty here. They had a line of secession. They had all sorts of stuff. I mean, it was uh, when Hawaii was annexed. It was right after her reign. She was deposed as the queen, so her kingdom was toppled. Right, and again, this is a legitimate royal person. She had an audience with the president on several occasions. Uh, she was a guest at the White House, and then she was also a guest in Buckingham Palace. I mean, this is not a savage Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, uh, boom boom stick kind of a person. <laughs> okay, so they're not quite savages. It's interesting. The King of Hawaii had its own national anthem. It had a constitution. It had its own flag, and there were palaces, right? Like legitimate palaces. And like I said, the King of Hawaii often met with President Ulysses S. Grant. Okay, uh, now we had friendly relations with the U.S. and other powers. Okay, so they were actually they were an ally. You know what I mean? It wasn't like. Uh, I don't think we needed to take them over because they ever looked at them as a threat. It was they're this beautiful island right there in the center of uh, the Pacific. You have an opportunity for America being an emerging naval power at the time. And the, the major world power before this we based our navy off of was what? Britain. Britain. And we stole every idea we had from them. Every They had the greatest navy in the world, and then we took that and just made it a little bit better because that's what we do here in America. But <laughs> – they go ahead, uh, and it is a fascinating thing to go back and look at this island here because, like I said, they're very far from being savages. They dressed in European fashions, and the majority of them had converted to Christianity. 
uh, they had a place. Uh, I alone, I, I'm going to slaughter the pronunciation of some of these names. I'm sorry. I'm just a dumb kid from Jersey who likes history. Iolani Palace, which is where the royalty of uh, the Hawaiian kingdom stayed. And the queen, Liliuokalani, okay, who literally, you should have seen me spelling this out phonetically to make sure that I don't screw her name up. But Liliuokalani was the queen. And she actually stayed. This is how friendly they were to America. Where she stayed was known as Washington Place. So the founder of uh, our country, right, is getting honored over in Hawaii. Pretty cool. So, <laughs> now, uh, she was born in 1838 to a high-status family. Her name was Lydia Kamehameha, okay, which was like the – that was like being a Kennedy in Hawaii. If you were a Kamehameha, right, it's kind of a big deal on that one. But uh, there's this weird thing because that's a royal people, okay? And then through this process uh, of Hawaiian adoption, it's a custom they call Hanai. H-A-N-A-I. I'm, again, slaughtering the pronunciation. But through that process, she was declared eligible for the throne because she was adopted uh, into royalty, essentially. Mm-hmm. Now, we haven't covered this on the podcast yet, but uh, I don't know if you know this, Kona. I'm actually adopted. Really? I'm adopted. This uh, And into a royal family, I might say. Well, I was going to say, in Hawaii, I could have been adopted into the royal line of secession. Uh, <laughs> in New Jersey, I got two teachers from Passaic County. <laughs> I got no complaints. I came out pretty good here. But yeah, so uh, they're really big on this, the Hanai thing. It's very open adoption, right? Uh, so you see that a lot when you're going through the, the time here with these people. And it's uh, her brother is now made the king after King Kamehameha, I want to say it was the fourth, dies without an heir. And this is a very weird monarchy because they held elections for the monarchy that you would pick of the eligible people for the monarchy. You could figure out who was going to wind up becoming you know, the next in power, if you will. So they go ahead. And uh, her, ki- her brother, King Kalakaua. Kalakaua. Does that sound like a drink you'd order at a bar? That's right. That's got an umbrella Let me get a Kalakaua. Sure. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah that's, that sounds like something you'd get. Like, oh, yeah, a Malibu and a King Kalakaua. Easy on the rocks. <laughs> hey, calm down. You had a few too many Kalakauas tonight, right? You know the sugar in that. The hangover's going to be a bitch. Aloha <laughs> oe. <laughs> uh, so you know that song then, Kahuna. I do know a little bit about it. Interesting. Uh, we'll get to this later on, but another little fun fact about that is that the writer of that song is Queen Liliuokalani. Are you serious? Very serious. She composed over 130 songs, and that was a song that she wrote. Okay. Absolutely serious here. That song has been covered by Elvis. That appears in uh, the Lilo and Stitch movie. That's how I know it. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds ridiculous, but like most of the stuff I knew about Hawaii was from Disney and Lilo and Stitch. Well, I think, I think most, because they don't really cover this stuff in the, di- now it, it's kind of a weird thing too, because if you guys don't know what Big Kahuna looks like, he looks like he could be an offensive lineman for the Jets if he really needed to. He's a big dude. He could, but, so now this guy's sitting here, he's hanging out with a couple of us, we're doing a history podcast. He's like, oh, you know, I read something interesting, really, it's just watching Disney movies and regurgitating like, whatever the singing panda bear told you is what you're going to tell. No, but I mean, it wasn't like because Hawaii was one of the places we didn't learn much about. Like you, like they would teach us a lot of stuff in history class, like the basics, of course, whatever got you through the the class. But they never were like specifically, okay, we're going to talk about Hawaiian history today. Right. So we never knew much about it. And I don't even mean that as an insult. Like, oh, I know from just Lilo and Stitch. No, it's totally. just one of those things where it's like, oh. I remember that's one of the places I've heard it, but, like, it's just funny because a lot of people, including myself on certain things, that's the first exposure to certain things, like right. about different cultures, right. which is kind of uh, cool. Yeah, it can be something as simple as having one line in a history textbook. They'll just say, oh, and Queen Liliuokalani uh, gave up the throne gave of Hawaii. Gave up the throne, right. And then Hawaii became a state. 
Well, we're going to unpack that story because you can't talk about Queen Lily, which is what I'm going to call her the rest of the show. All right, can't accurately tell her story without having to go into this one. So, the first of all, there's a move now. Uh, there's a lot of Americans living over. There's a lot of Brits living over there too. They're pretty friendly with Japan and stuff like that. It's Hawaii's got a lot going on. Pretty cool place to be. But there's a group of all American ass whoopers, okay, who are over in Honolulu. They refer to themselves as the Honolulu Rifles, and they are the armed cavalry and infantry of the day. Now, these are all Americans, white Anglo-Saxon Americans, that have pledged their allegiance to the monarch uh, in, in the kingdom of Hawaii. So, King Kalakaua at this time, right? So, the Honolulu Rifles absolutely swear their allegiance to him. Uh, they even refer to their king, right? Because, first of all, their whole mission was to protect Hawaii from invasion. Because Hawaii didn't really have a standing army at this time. So these Honolulu rifles are coming in like, we're American ass whoopers. You know what I mean? Let's do some Wild West shit. mercenaries. Yeah. Let's do a little Wild West shit out here in coconut country, you know? But <laughs> So uh, they go ahead. They, like I said, pledge their allegiance to King Kalakaua. They've actually uh, they marched in a bunch of parades, like honorary parades and stuff like that. And their whole mission was to protect the monarchy, okay? Which is a little bit backwards for Americans. But they also referred to him to show you the amount of loyalty they had. They referred to King Kalakaua as their generalissimo. Now, real quick, I'm going to throw it over to my father here. Dad, what is a generalissimo? He's the uh, he's the boss of the bosses. He's the uh, the main military guy. Um, Napoleon would be, uh, I guess, a good example of uh, a generalissimo. That there's nobody higher him in, in military status. Now, sometimes you might think like the king is the ultimate, and in this particular case. I guess he was, but um, he's the military mastermind of, uh, of of the driving forces. Stalin was be another example of, uh, you know, his country, Russia at the oh, time. A lot of antichrists here. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not not necessarily a uh, a positive, you know. Okay, so he's the general. Did we know anything else about that, or? Um, no, that was pretty much it. I mean, th- th- one of the reasons that. Um, it was by the military, really, or, or the varying uh, tribal chieftains that there was one guy, I can't remember his name, but uh, he was the guy that was credited with unifying all of the Hawaiian islands under one monarchy. That was and King Kamehameha, I think, the first. Okay. Well, there you go. And, and uh, you know, things were passed down through time um, to the guy that you're just talking about, whose sister actually became uh, uh, queen, uh, yeah, Queen, queen Lily was that. She was yeah. the final queen of right. Hawaii, right? Which is interesting right. here. Now uh, we talked talked about a conspiracy or two last uh, episode. Uh, you guys ready to dive into a straight up out of this world conspiracy? <laughs> Let's <laughs> do a bunch of them. This is not some Alex Jones Infowars stuff. Okay, this is straight. This it legitimately happened. No gay frogs. Exactly how we're going to present it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a group called the Hawaiian League. Okay, it is a group comprised, now not for nothing, just to unpack this for a second here. My father and I are both proud Irishmen, okay? And uh, in, in what do they used to say? Proud Irish Americans. Let's, uh, let's, let's put that out there. Uh, Americans first, that's how I agree okay. to. But, uh, so back in Ireland, though, when they wanted to talk about overthrowing British rule in order to have their own home rule as the Irish uh, ourselves alone, um, they would have to go into the back rooms of pubs and do what? Conspire to uh, overthrow the crown. Talk a little treason. Talk a little treason. That great line from The Quiet Man. <laughs> That's right. But uh, so now this is happening over here. The reason I'm drawing that parallel is because this is happening now in Hawaii with all these white Americans who are mostly like a lot of them are like sugar farmers and stuff like that. And they uh, they've formed this group called the Hawaiian League. 
which again, it was uh, they were almost openly referred to as the annexation club. Nobody right. had any. There was no like, oh, we're the Knights of Columbus. There's no, you yeah, know, they want to jump in with the uh, United States big time. Yeah, so they're hanging out in bars. They're having their secret meetings. They're talking a little treason. But uh, somehow, and they, there really is no information I was able to find on this. But they were able to sit there and go through. They actually took control of the Honolulu Rifles. So as they're going through, the, uh, the Honolulu Rifles are now a part of this Hawaiian League, which is insane. Okay? So as they're going through this, they got, uh, uh, they're still, you know, like I said, they were loyal to King Kalua Kuwaha. <laughs> I screwed his name up good on that one. But uh, what they did, or now they've turned on the guy. The Honolulu Rifles have now uh, turned up. So the group that was dedicated to protecting you is now forcing you at gunpoint to sign a resolution in 1887. It was a new constitution for the Kingdom of Hawaii. It is literally known as the Bayonet Constitution. Right. Because it was signed at knife point, essentially. Okay. Sign it, sign it, or pay the consequences. Yeah, like, the extreme consequences. It costs me $45 an episode to put this podcast out. Now, imagine if uh, I told, uh, I, I go up to Kahuna, and I just put a gun up to his head. I was like, hey, Kahuna, you're not charging me for this week, right? And he goes, oh, yeah, no, 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 it's okay. I'm not. Char-. And I was like, oh, yeah, me and Kahuna, we worked out an, an agreeable arrangement. That's essentially what's happening here. So now, in this Constitution of 1887, it increases the power of the you know, some of the natives, right? But the people who consider themselves Hawaiian-born but still Americans. So now, if you own property over there, essentially, it's a, it becomes a pay-to-play kind of a thing. What they're doing is they're saying if you have the money, right, and you own property over here, your vote counts a little bit more than some guy living in a hut. And the Constitution of 1887 also reduces the power of the monarchy. So King Kalua Kua, <laughs> we'll call him up. We'll call him Cal. Cool Cal. <laughs> He's now limited his own power. He's given up a, a bunch of, uh, you know, his own power, his own monarchy. This is the start of the cracks in the foundation. They're going to take this whole thing down. So now the Hawaiian League, uh, it pretty much uh, adds to its power by launching a group known as the Committee of Safety. There's a lot of groups that pop up in Hawaii, I'm noticing. Like oh, a yeah. lot of like just little sub things. It's like, what's going on down there? Well, th- this is how we, we – essentially understand Hawaii as its modern self right now is this group known as the Committee of Safety comes in. I'm saying I'm using quotations, air quotes for those uh, listening at home. Uh, when you hear the Committee of Safety, does that make you feel good about anything at yeah, all? Yeah, that's not good. Sounds boring. <laughs> exactly. It's a, well, it's a weird thing too because then um, like almost every conspiracy, there's always a good, in, well-intentioned sounding name that has some nefarious things going on. Like uh, th- this is the modern day specter for James Bond villains. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So that's okay. your committee of safety over here. So now, uh, the committee of safety is baffling because uh, it's, like I said, mostly made up of sugar farmers and mercenaries. So now in 1891, four years after the Honolulu Rifles turned on the king and forced him to sign the Bayonet Constitution, King Kalakaua dies. And his sister, Lili Ukalani, our girl Lili, is now named Queen of Hawaii. She is now the head of state for the monarch. And this is an internationally recognized monarchy. Okay? So she's actually, uh, at the time, uh, uh, well, she was, before she was made the head of state, she was still just the queen, you know, the, the sister to the king. She attended the Royal Jubilee of Queen Victoria in Buckingham Palace. That's how legit this chick was. Wow. All right. Other royalty going to the royal coronation yeah, she was, yeah, it in was, England. Oh, I mean, it was insane. It was like uh, it's like when you get the Lannisters uh, together with you know, <laughs> got a whole Game of Thrones thing going on over here. But so they brought her in from the Iron Islands to uh, to go ahead and attend this royal jubilee. So she's a world stage player, right? Now, when she comes into power, Lily seeks to overturn the bayonet constitution. She wants to restore the Hawaiian monarchy to its power, right? Which. She shows up and they realize that these committee of safety guys are like, oh, well, we got her brother to cave at gunpoint. 
but Lily's now way more dangerous. Okay, they're afraid of this chick because she's trying to. She has the power of the people, right? She's a, she's very well thought of. She's highly intelligent lady. She's a regal kind of a lady, and she goes ahead and uh, she decides that she wants to overturn the 1887 Constitution. Uh, the it was signed via bayonet point, right? The right. bayonet Constitution. The Constitution that her brother was forced to sign is. <laughs> Now trying to be overturned by her sister, by his sister. Lee. Is she on the right podcast? Like she doesn't sound so bad so far. Well, uh, it's it's not that she's bad. It's no, yeah. It's just I don't think like, she's a loser, but we're going to see that she comes out on the losing end of this. Uh, you know what okay. I mean? So it's not necessarily that uh, you know that the Yankees uh, are, are the Yankees have to lose a baseball game every now and then. You know what I mean? But they're yeah. not losers, so. Here's well, that depends on who you ask. Uh, it's a history <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so now we're going to enter a guy that uh, I'm going to present the facts as they are. Some people portray him as a uh, an evil man. Some people portray him as thank God it was him that was in charge and not somebody who was uh, more uh, with you know ill intentions. But this guy named Sanford Dole pops up. Okay, now he's a sugar farmer and came over. He's a member of the committee of safety, uh, arguably the head of the committee of safety, and he goes ahead. Labels Queen Lily as a monarchical tyrant. And what, do we, what does America hate? America hates tyrants, and America hates the monarchs, all right? especially at this time, too. So you can label her. Now you're presenting you know, information so you can sway public opinion. Like if I sit there and I say, well, hey, you know, Kahuna's a pretty good guy, right? You know, he's not a bad guy. And then my father goes, ah, this Kahuna guy, he's trying to take over the show. We've got to get rid of him. You know, start pulling public support, you know what I mean? But what they're doing this, uh, gets a little bit wacky over here is they label her as a tyrant. And uh, now the Honolulu Rifles are against her because they want to keep sitting there going through all this stuff. A police officer was shot. This is the start of the bloodshed over here. The, the Hawaiian monarchy is crumbling because of this. All right? A police officer was shot trying to stop a wagon full of weapons from reaching the Honolulu Rifles. And when that police officer gets shot, now the Committee of Safety begs the minister to Hawaii, kind of like an ambassador type role. The guy's name is John L. Stevens. Okay. Now, for, uh, he's, they're begging him for troops to keep American citizens uh, in Hawaii and their property safe right. from old tyrant Lili. Right. You have anything you want to jump in here with? Well, John L. Stevens was actually the uh, the guy that was appointed to uh, to the Hawaiian Islands by the by the United States. And I think an interesting backstory to these whole Hawaiian rifles and uh, the election of the monarchy and everything else is that. Um, Early on, when the Hawaiian Islands were first discovered, like, oh, my God, we got Native women running around topless. And, uh, you know, Captain Cook, who, uh, who explored uh, and really dis- discovered, right? it was always there. But it, Captain Cook was the guy that, um, the first European to come upon the Hawaiian Islands. Um, you know, new reports come back about uh, these people, these Native people running around and, you know, having the... Of course, it was a, a great uh, port of call for the for the Navy guys that landed on mm-hmm. Still in is Hawaii. to this day. Still is to this um, day. To say the natives were friendly, the natives were extremely friendly. That, uh, anyhow, um, back in the early uh, early days, um, when reports of uh, these native peoples, now we have all these New England um, missionaries, um, Christian missionaries, going to Hawaii to convert. And um, a lot of these um, people that were became like the ruling class were like the next generation of the missionaries that the missionaries basically took over 
and um, instructed the Hawaiian people how to be, you know, um, Hawaiian, how to be more um, Protestant or... or um, they did convert mostly. Puritanical. They, yeah, right? they were almost all Christians. And then when you look at the portraits, too, and you see the way that they're dressing, these are uh, a couple of the names we'll see. It is a regular kind of European first and last name, and their middle name is like Wanakadibidikadakada. Right. I mean, it's insane. So, but they they've completely assimilated. If you're looking for assimilation, you got it with the what the Hawaiians were doing over here. Pretty cool place to be. But it's also a very valuable real estate because of its first its geographic location being in the Pacific Ocean, with uh, all these countries that are uh, striving to become you know, land grabbers. I mean, Great Britain, uh, rule Britannia, the sun never sets on the British Empire. You got the Russians trying to establish uh, new territories, the French, the Germans, uh, um, the Japanese. And now you've got a lot of these American interests in Hawaii who are setting up these sugar plantations because sugar was a big money crop. I'd say it still is. And, yeah, and then to, uh, to have um, special, um, special arrangements made with the U.S. government as far as the import of their sugar and that type of stuff became very, uh, very big and um, very um, influential people that now is going to be controlling the government. So you have a select handful of few. It's, it's, it's the top 1% who happen to be white, who happen to be predominantly Americans that are now telling the native peoples how to, how to run the show. So it's the free market essentially coming over there. Under the guise of Christianity, the free market now makes full-on enterprise and slowly takes over. The, exactly. Which is a fascinating thing with all that. Uh, now, not for nothing, too, it's Hawaii, right? So the, the part that it's really nice probably inspires people to stay and look at the – I mean, nobody's fighting over Nebraska. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, we're hell-bent on Hawaii for a reason. Pretty cool place. Um, one other thing that I thought was interesting is that now that they're denouncing Lili as a tyrant, right? And Stevens, who's the minister, he obliges and lands the USS Boston with a company of Marines and two more companies of sailors to take up armed positions in several Hawaiian government buildings. So they're like, oh, we're, uh, we're afraid something bad's going to happen, right? So they just show up and uh, pretty much take the place over. Just in case. Yeah. Like if I sit here and I say, hey, Big Kahuna, you, I feel threatened by you, and then uh, – so a shared the, universe is mine now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, oh yeah, Kahuna's you know terrifying me, and now you know Ming and Zapsic have to abdicate their thrones and give me the uh, the studio. But that's essentially what happened. Not a shot was fired, too, by the way, which I thought was really interesting. So uh, Lily abdicates the throne in a bloodless overthrow because she is aware of her inability to go to war with or defend itself from an American-backed revolution. Okay. She thinks that they have the full support. So she actually has faith in us because this is how educated of a woman she is. She's sitting there. She goes, well, they violated international law. If I shoot back at them, it's going to turn into a whole big thing. But if I abdicate the throne, I can get my power back once the U.S. comes to its senses. Okay. And there was people that were uh, uh, completely against this idea of how it all went down, and there was people who supported it. So there's annexation is a part of imperialism, right? So now at this time with uh, imperialism, LP, break that down for everybody what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's basically acquiring new territories, new new lands, just because either by military force or by financial um, persuasion that uh, you're able to acquire new 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 countries, new new territories. I think maybe a good comparison is that when you're a millionaire, right, when you make a lot of money, right, one of the things that you do in order to show how wealthy you are is you buy a sports franchise, right? 
Jerry Jones owns the Cowboys, you know what I mean? Uh, Arthur Blank from uh, the founder of Home Depot owns the uh, Atlanta Falcons. I mean, owning a football team is a prestigious thing, right? So in order to show people you're wealthy, you do that. You make this expenditure. So is that kind of what was going on with the European powers and America wanting to show that they were just as good as the European powers? Well, I think, Because yeah. they all had colonies. Everybody was looking to, to grab land, and it was certainly working for the Americans up to that point. I mean, hey, uh, uh, Montana... North and South Dakota, you know, any, any of the Indian territories. Oh, you know what? I know we made a treaty with you guys a couple of years back, but uh, forget about that. Um, we just discovered gold in the Black Hills. Um, that's ours now. <laughs> you can't have that anymore. Yeah, it's part of your religion, yeah, but tough. There's, there's gold there. There's resources and wherever it happened to be. Um, uh, you know, in the Hawaiian Islands, that was very strategic militarily, especially now. I mean, at this point in time, things are really starting to heat up between the United States and Spain. And there's a lot of other world powers that were looking at Hawaii, envious, and Great Britain being one of them, Japan being another one. And a lot of these sugar plantations that they had in Hawaii, they were importing the labor force. So there's Japanese coming in to work as the labor. There was a lot of outside of the Hawaiian culture being brought in as the labor force. Um, but I think the big thing, too, with, uh, with Hawaii, too, is it just where it sits in the Pacific, that you got to realize that the Navy is, the Navy ships, they're not nuclear. They're no, there's run, steam power. They're running on coal, all right? Steam power, and it's fired by coal. So to have a, uh, a refueling station somewhere in the Pacific is huge. And there's a lot of people that are looking at that. Location, location, location. 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 <laughs> right, right. So although it, you know, it, it has some natural resources and the, the ability to grow sugar and stuff, which is certainly a money crop, but to have the military strategically to have uh, a coal refueling station in the middle of the Pacific is, is huge too to uh, Let's make sure that we keep Great Britain Absolutely. in check. We keep Japan in check. And, you know, the, the Philippines are not that far. And, you know. It's like when uh, Uncle Terry's got his shore house over in Ortley. And if you were smart <laughs> on prom weekend, you would go down and park your car, right, for Memorial Day weekend or anything like that. You'd go and park your car at Uncle Terry's house, right? And then you'd just walk the beach down into Seaside Heights. That way, when the cops break up all the parties down there and your friends get kicked out of their houses, all you got to do is drunkenly walk back up the beach with Joey Schweikart, and then you can go sleep at your uncle's house. <laughs> so... Um, Kind of a thing. So you want to be able to have yourself in the game and everything like that, you know? Absolutely. Uh, now, the other thing I wanted to bring up real quick is that she did surrender. Now, Lili abdicates the throne. The kingdom of Hawaii is now turned over to this provisional government, right? right? Now, when you talk about provisional governments, too, you mentioned Russia earlier. Russia's terrifying because the Russian Revolution follows a lot of similar suits with this. But that ends in absolute bloodshed. Now, you can say that the Americans are bastards for what they did to Hawaii here. You really could. But at the same time, and we're, we're going to see that they continue to do – but at the end of the day, it's almost like it's a benevolent dictator that's kind of taking things over here. We're like, thank God. That's why this Dole guy gets an interesting... Um, I don't know about benevolent, because I don't know how much benevolence was heaped upon the uh, native Hawaiians. Well, uh, they're still angry about it to this day. Absolutely. Okay. And a lot of it is justifiably so. But what I thought was interesting is that Lily surrenders under protest. It's kind of like when... The Yankees don't like a call, so they, you're, you're, still, you're still losing the game, but you're playing the rest of it under protest, right. you know? Like Joe Girardi sitting there freaking out on the sidelines last year saying it's under protest. It's still a loss, all right? You didn't win the game. It's, um, it's, uh, 
umpire call on balls and strikes, you can't go to the video review. Exactly. <laughs> well, here was uh, Queen Lily's quote, by the way. I want to get to this real quick. Uh, now, to avoid any collision of armed forces and perhaps the loss of life, I do this under protest and impelled by said force yield my authority until such time as the government of the United States shall, upon facts being presented to it, undo the action of its representatives and reinstate me in the authority which I claim as the constitutional sovereign of the Hawaiian Islands. How cool is this chick? Yeah, yeah. How cool is this chick? So she goes ahead, she uh, abdicates the throne, but she thinks it's a temporary thing. Uh, you have something you want to jump in with? Yeah, I was just going to say that this guy, uh, what was his name, uh, John Stevens? The guy that... Uh, minister to Hawaii. He was the minister to Hawaii. He was the guy that actually had the Marines land and, and force this whole thing to come about. Um, although a shot wasn't fired, it was certainly the, the veiled threat of, uh, of violence by, by land and the Marines. He immediately then had the uh, Hawaiian Islands um, set up to be annexed into the United States. Well, that was their hope. Right, because uh, this is uh, right. we're about to talk about the same thing, which is perfect here. When Lily surrenders, she hopes the U.S. is going to realize its mistake. But Dole and Stevens are already quickly pushing for annexation. Kahuna, guess who's president at this time in the United States? What year is this? Well, I'll put it this way: our first episode is about Grover Cleveland, <laughs> right? <laughs> so Grover, remember he? Oh, had, we're doing this almost like timeline wise. It, it's very accidental, but that's my fun thing about history: is it always winds up uh, uh, everything spins in a different direction, uh, but everybody gets caught in the crossfire. Right. So what I thought was cool is that uh, Grover Cleveland served two uh, non-consecutive terms. That in that first episode we talked about, it, the guy who beat him was Benjamin Harrison, who is president at this time now. Correct. Uh, well, yeah. The the whole petition to annex the Hawaiian Islands came before uh, Benjamin Harrison, but he's a lame duck president at that point. Mm -hmm. So they tried to speed this through Congress um, and get get the, the the vote of both the House and the Senate to uh, to ratify this whole thing. But that you know there was. It was a whole back and forth kind of a thing. It was a hotly contested issue for a number of different reasons. But uh, Benjamin Harrison, as I said, was a lame duck, so he's out. So the next guy that comes in is... Our boy Grove, mm, back in action. <laughs> Our own Grover Cleveland, right. And in meanwhile, um, Queen, uh, Queenie uh, Lily, is that what you're calling her? We'll call her Lily. Lily, Lily. Queen Lily forms uh, is another whole uh, homegrown commission that comes up and they start gathering up a petition to petition the Congress to vote this whole thing down. Um, as I say, it's a hotly contested, contested issue and different um, reports are called for. Now, Grover Cleveland comes in and he appoints some people, you know, special commission to investigate the this Blount whole thing. The Blount Report. Yeah, the Blount Report. Um, interesting guy in the Blount Report... I don't know if you're aware of this one. Uh, if you can't, I know you can't tell it. On this guy is Kahuna. Vouch for me on this one. My father is the shit-eating grin on his face right now. Oh I can't my wait. God. I can't wait. Hit me with it. Yeah, there, there's, there's, again, this is a whole hotly contested issue about do we allow the Hawaiians to come in as part of the United States or do we keep them out? Um, you know, a lot of people saying, well, there's a lot of money in there because of the sugar and the whole Navy thing with the uh, refueling stations and, you know, we're expanding our territory. So they send in this guy, um, Blount, James Blount, to do this whole report about whether we should or shouldn't. Um, and um, Blount turns out that he's a Southern Democrat. 
And I know when sometimes people hear Southern Democrat, they're taking it by modern-day standards, like, you know, there's modern-day Democrats and modern-day Republicans. But back in this particular time, this is just after the Civil War. This is just after the Reconstruction period. Because they almost flip-flop, don't they? Like sometimes, uh, absolutely. Like, it's always shades of gray. Yeah. <laughs> it's an absolute but flip-flop this kind time, of thing. But in the, around this time, it's almost like... Democrats are Republicans and almost like Republicans are Democrats almost? Or is it like it's a little more complicated? Um, it's, it's it's more complicated. It is certainly a gray area. Yeah, you're trying to play a DVD and a VCR when you do that one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got to remember that uh, Abe Lincoln is a Republican. So right after the Civil War, there's the Reconstruction period where they're actually sending federal troops into the South to make sure that the newly freed slaves are going to get a fair shake out of this whole thing. And now political maneuverings are happening with Jim Crow laws and everything else to prevent that from happening. Um, but this guy, Blount, he's a, a Southern Democrat. He's a white supremacist. He's the chairman of the House Committee on Foreign Relations from 1891 to 1893. And Lee just abdicated the throne, I think, in 93. Uh, yes. So he's he's really not holding the uh, chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, but he's just like Joe Average Citizen. Okay. But he's got this whole, you know, personal agenda, if you will, that he's absolutely opposed to annexation. He doesn't want the Hawaiian Islands to come part of the United States because now you're introducing people of color, additional people of color coming into the United States. And he... he his report is we should not allow the Hawaiian Islands to annex with the United States. I mean, have you seen how hot Hawaiian chicks are, though? <laughs> I mean, uh, what, what's her name played her in uh, the, one of the movies or something like that? But it was uh, Tia Carrere from uh, Wayne's World. Oh, yeah. my God. Yep, and, uh, she, uh, I would quit your attention. Huh? Yeah, her in Wayne's World when she's got I've been the... i uh, listening. What you saying, man? I'm just... <laughs> man... When she had the boa constrictor over, or the anaconda or whatever over her neck while she was playing the guitar in Wayne's World? Yeah. yeah. So, all right, this guy obviously didn't appreciate the beautiful Polynesian women. What would, like, were his reasoning, was his reasonings, like, all, all, like, they were just complete bullshit reasonings also? I know what you said, but, like, were there any other, like, legitimate ones that he tried to bring up that well, weren't? I think, I, won't, I don't want to speak for my father. I want you to jump in uh, when I get something wrong here. But at the same time, if the Blunt Report was being uh, uh, ordered... By Grover Cleveland, who is a staunch anti-imperialist, did not – he actually claims uh, – he completely agreed with Lely that he said that the U.S. has completely violated international law. We essentially landed an invasion force on an island and right. overthrew a kingdom based on some really shaky evidence. So uh, my theory is that if Blount was you know, put in charge of that report, it was probably – it would be good to have consistent findings that agree with the ideas of the guy who commissioned you in the first place. Right. You know what okay. I mean? Be a yes man. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And he did not, he, you know, he he did not want any any uh, additional by the whole imperialistic kind of an attitude that I think Grover Cleveland, yeah, he was, you know, that was totally uh, trumped up kind of a situation with the landing of the other Marines and everything else. It was, uh, uh, you know, gunboat diplomacy in, in a, at a higher level kind of a thing. I'm glad you said gunboat diplomacy because this is another part where this story gets even wackier. So Lely abdicates the throne, but now the state is not being allowed to be annexed because Grover Cleveland won't let it happen. He's putting his foot down like to hell with that shit. So 
what do they have to do in the meantime? Now Dole, who's put himself at the head of the provisional government, he's now got – pretty much Hawaii is now its own country, right? So they're living under this provisional government. Nothing's going on. Right. It's not a territory. It's not – it's nothing. It's – it's just right. a, they're a their place. own. Time. Yeah, it is. It has become like uh, 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 what was it? Uh, uh, I mean, it, pretty much it's the Wild West right now, but in a Hawaiian setting. And uh, Lily is placed under house arrest. By the way, there's no formal charges on her. She's living in decent conditions. She's in her palace, but she's really they're trying to keep her out of the loop. But she is still the same. She's uh, got the ankle bracelet on there. Oh yeah, she is. <laughs> it's definitely a Lindsay Lohan type house arrest thing going on here. What but, was the what was the reasoning for like? You said no charges, but like, when did they instate that? Like, they like guards didn't let her leave her home, or like, because well, they didn't have the obviously the, the the ankle monitors back then. But like, yeah, that's you know kind of what, what um what I was saying earlier when I talked about if you talk about the Russian Revolution when they overthrew their government, their their royalty that fell, the Romanov family, uh, that ended in all of them being uh, just butchered. I mean, the, the Anastasia comes from that, right? The, uh, yes, yeah. The, the, Which would be a whole other weird episode on that one. But, hey, back to Disney movies, aren't you, Kahuna? No, huh? no <laughs> that's not Disney. Ha! That's Fox. Anastasia? <laughs> nah, I got it wrong. What are you going to do? Um, but I'll tell you what. Judge uh, me. What was cool is that uh, if you compare those two things, Dole understands that Lily is the figurehead of Hawaii. You can't get rid of her, so they just put her in a little house arrest. She's being pretty well taken care of on that one. Yeah. You got something else? Oh, so it's like, yeah, oh, just... she's still there, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> she's still here. Although, Make sure she can't leave. Yeah. Although this guy Dole was the president, um, and Stevens is still, um, he's the uh, U.S. State Department minister, Stevens. He, he, without State Department permission, proclaims Hawaii a U.S. Protect, protectorate. That, like that was like uh, you know okay um, we're our own country and we're really not a territory we're not a state we're not part of the United States but we're going to have the United States protect us it was just a way of telling the rest of the world stay the hell out of Hawaii because this is U.S. Well, and again now that exact same thing that's happening here is this provisional government's now in charge of everything but they're not backed by anything you know what I mean it's like a, it's very confusing to try to go through but what happens is. Uh, Dole refuses Cleveland's call. They demand him to right the wrongs and reinstate the queen. Dole refuses, kind of calls the bluff on that one. And they feel like what they're trying to do is they got to wait it out. You know what I mean? They're going to try to wait it out so they can slip in for annexation down the road here. But in the meantime, what I want to cover real quick is what's going on here. While Lily is in uh, captivity, we could call it, or house arrest, um, she and Grover Cleveland have correspondence going back and forth. And Cleveland is very sympathetic to her cause. Right, so much so in fact that he actually has uh, a couple of navy ships point their guns uh, at Honolulu, right? And they have a they do a thing called the Black Week. It was known as, right? And what it was, uh, Sanford Dole, who's in charge of the government now, this guy, you know, who, from the the Hawaiian League, literally talking treason in the back of the room, now running the country, uh, the Kingdom of Hawaii, I should say. Uh, he's freaking out because it's a PR nightmare for him because now everybody's like, Jesus Christ, the U.S. is going to invade now because you guys won't play ball with them. We're about to get taken over and possibly uh, have to suffer artillery fire from the world's greatest navy. Okay, all because the sugar farmer, you know, wanted to call the queen a tyrant. So wow. they staged a fake invasion. So they got all these ships out there. They're, they're, they put the troops out, the Marines that were on board. They would have them come out with like their full-on gear and regalia, like they're coming in, like they're about to land on the beach. And this goes on for an entire week. Dole sticks to his guns, pun intended, and uh, goes ahead and calls uh, uh, Grover Cleveland on his bluff. So they can't actually do that. But what they do is they scare the shit out of Dole so that Dole declares Hawaii a republic. So you move away from – because what they were calling it at the time was the Dole oligarchy. All right, You know what an oligarchy is, Kahuna? That I don't. 
All right, it's where a, a group of people hold all the power. So it's not a monarchy where there's one. It's an oligarchy. So there's a, a group pretty much it's like this committee of safety, this 13 white dudes that moved to Hawaii when they were like in their 20s now run right. the entire place. They're now all the landowners. Right. So and now, they're calling the shots. Now they're in charge, right? So this is actually considered— And they're not natives either. They're— they're outsiders. Exactly. It's. I think it's like those people. Like, oh, it's people who went on vacation and never left. I think that's. <laughs> oh, really they're the landlord. <laughs> right. Great. So now here's the weird thing with that is that uh, at this time Grover is still in big support of Lily and wants to reinstate her to the throne. Right. But when he's going back and forth with his uh, uh, letters back and forth to Lily, he says, "Listen, I can have the U.S. back you to reinstate you as the head of state for the Kingdom of Hawaii. You will become queen again." Uh, but I need you to pardon everybody that betrayed you, the Honolulu Rifles, the uh, Committee of Safety, everybody in the Hawaiian League. They all need a full pardon. And she goes, uh, no, Hawaiian custom calls for they must pay with their lives and all of their property must be seized. So now Grover backs away from her. He doesn't support her quite as much anymore because it's a PR nightmare. Right. If now you're going you're gonna to pretty much martyr these, these dudes, the Committee of Safety, who are kind of shady dudes. The guys that tried to overthrow you, you if you don't give them a pardon. Why did Grover want to give them a pardon again? Uh, well, Grover wanted, uh, he goes, listen, if you call, if you let bygones be bygones, I'll reinstate you as the queen, but you can't punish the guys that did this to you. Right? So that's all he asked. He goes, listen, the entire might of the U.S. military and foreign policy will be behind you to reinstate your throne, but you got to let the conspirators go that overthrew you. And she refused. So, and again, not for another. I, I would have a hard time forgiving somebody who did that to me. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a tough yeah, thing. Yeah, wait a minute. That's oh man. Yeah, and this is the same, the same chick that her her brother was forced by the bayonet uh, diplomacy or the bayonet uh, right um, thing. So that, she's like, yeah, I'm not I mean, letting this happen she, again. She, she's type yeah, thing. right. It's a, she's got a long history of things not going well by trusting uh, somebody from the outside. It's like when your friend gets back with a girlfriend that's cheated on him before <laughs> and you're sitting there you're like, oh, where's she? She goes, oh, she's uh, down in Fort Lauderdale with, uh, she's visiting family. It's like, come on, buddy. We all, <laughs> why do you do this to yourself? Um, but uh, they considered that a win, okay? So now Grover can't put her back into power, but they did get them to cave in and become the Republic of Hawaii, which is a win because down the road, Grover thought, well, hey, we can flip the script on this in a couple of years. We can reinstate the queen to power, but it'll be later on. You know what I mean? But for right now, there's no fear of bloodshed or invasion. You're not martyring the people. Right. It was it was a stalemate, but it was a good stalemate. It was a middle-of-the-road uh Kind of a, you know, like you said, stalemate that both sides, neither side won, neither side lost. So that was 1893, right? So now 1894 to 1898, Dole is now the president of the Republic of Hawaii. So it's almost like that weird thing where Texas was its own country for a little while, right? So uh, Lily is still under house arrest, but there's still no formal charges on her. She's living in good conditions like we talked about. And Dole's plan is to now wait out Cleveland's presidency in hopes of getting a less sympathetic president to approve the annexation. But this is kind of a fun thing in here. Less sympathetic to to the queen. Oh, yeah. More sympathetic to annexation. Oh, yeah, when they're going to get a chance. Because yeah. uh, people wanted Hawaii. Hawaii was a cash cow waiting to happen in a lot of ways. So just like you talked about, the naval strategic thing, the fact that there's sugar farmers here, super hot women. They I weren't mean, wrong. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they probably saw the future. They sat there and like, listen, at some point, this kid named Marcus Mariota is going to come. <laughs> he's going to play Hawaiian League football, all right? And then he's going to lead the Tennessee Titans to the Super Bowl, all right? We'll see what happens with that one. Football's back next week. This week, Thursday. Oh, um, yeah. 
But uh, anyway, so now what they're freaking out about with all this is that uh, during this time frame, this is the time of the actual Hawaiian Revolution. I'm going to throw to you in a second here, Dad, because I want you to talk about the what brought up actual annexation. But this footnote, a mere footnote in history, I found this so fascinating. The Wilcox Rebellion of 1895. All right. This dude, Robert Wilcox, is one of the most fascinating dudes I've ever read about. I mean, this was a, they know he was known as the Iron Duke of Hawaii. Okay. Bad motherfucker. Real cool dude. Robert Wilcox had attempted to rebel before against the Bayonet Constitution, and he fought in several small battles against the Honolulu Rifles, which made him a hero to the natives. Okay? So when the Honolulu Rifles are forcing the signing of the Bayonet Constitution, uh, that King Kalakaua is uh, being forced to sign, uh, King Kalakaua is more afraid of what Robert Wilcox is going to do to him because Robert Wilcox is like a, a badass. He's mixed, by the way, too. I believe he had a Hawaiian mother, but a, uh, like a, a white Anglo father. Okay, so he's a mixed guy, but the country loves him. Everybody's all about this is their dude. You know what I mean? So they're champion now. He's already rebelled once against this. Now in 1895, uh, he rebels again. He becomes the leader of the Royalists, which seek to reinstate the monarchy. Okay. Now there was some kind of duplicitous meaning. Was he would he reinstate Liliuokalani uh, or would he you know put himself at the head of it? There was some debate about that, but this somewhat is a, loyal. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's a very he definitely was loyal and it was in the best interest of the country. But it wasn't like he was her champion per se. They were related. Um, so they have uh, in 1895, like I said, he becomes uh, the head of the royalist uh, military. They have a battle of Diamond Head in Waikiki Beach. <laughs> All right, surfs up, dude. Yeah, next time you see, <laughs> when you're seeing Elvis sitting there with his Hawaiian Honolulu. So some stuff going on over there. But they're fighting on the beach. There's blood uh, shed actually on the beach. It's a uh, scattering, kind of like light skirmishing and stuff like that. But uh, what winds up happening is that in the battle of Diamond Head, that's a Wilcox victory. He defeats. The committee of safety and the the kind of the, the royalists have the right people in place to try to make a real run at this. His right hand man, by the way, is a guy named Lot Lane. Okay, Lot Lane was a six foot Irish Hawaiian. What? <laughs> a six foot tall Irish Hawaiian dude that was so intimidating, people used to run away from it. And he was uh, a fascinating dude too. If you can, Lot Lane was his name. If you're listening, you know, on your phone or something like that, bring him on a Google or something. He's just a cool looking dude. All right. But uh, so that's his right-hand man. So Lot Lane and Robert Wilcox are sitting there, and they go ahead. Uh, Lot Lane, by the way, was the final member of uh, Wilcox's rebellion to be captured. Okay, when he was captured, he then became an activist for prisoner of war, uh, kind of. A, so it, it was almost like a, a, a what's that? Almost a Bobby Sands kind of a thing right. you know, for the IRA. But anyway, uh, here's what happens: they finally get into it. They're they're undersupplied, and they become outnumbered. And Wilcox is defeated in the next two ensuing battles. So a rebellion, it started off pretty positive. They were able to get a, a victory. Um, the royalists are now def completely defeated in two ensuing battles, and Wilcox retreats through the jungle, and he gets captured about ten days later. Okay, so did not go the way they wanted it to. But this dude, they love him because he still had the fighting spirit of right, Hawaii, right. that this is your guy. You know He's I mean? our guy. He's, He's yeah. our man. And he knew he was going into a doomed effort for the most part. So he was spared execution by Dole because Dole realized, like, if I kill this guy, they're all going to unite against me. It's almost the same thing. I'm not making another thing back to the IRA, but uh, the 1916 Easter Uprising in Ireland where they took over the, the Grand Post Office, uh, they were being the, when the prisoners were being taken away, they were being spat at and had food thrown at them. But when they were executed without seeing, you know. That a, a, turned it. Yeah. So it's all about how you handle the, you know, the wins and losses on this thing. Um, real quick, at this point now, uh, that rebellion has been put down. Lili is actually tried for treason because Lili uh, was supporting the rebellion. 
they dug up in one of her flower beds. She had like a bunch of like cases of rifles that she was trying to supply her cousin Robert Wilcox with. So that now they finally got something on her, right? So Lily now, who was under house arrest, is then formally charged with treason. How do you commit treason against your own country and the person trying you is the guy that took it from you? <laughs> right. That's how backwards this story goes. But they go ahead now. They're waiting it out. Dole's plan is in effect. He still can't kill Lily. He can't kill Robert Wilcox. They're too popular, right? So what does he do? Uh, they start making their moves. Grover Cleveland's presidency. They've waited it out long enough. What happens next, Ed? Uh, Grover Cleveland is is president. Uh uh, I don't really have much on on that until. Uh, well, the annexation is what I'm talking about, which well, happened under which president? Oh, well, they they tried to uh, they tried to get the annexation through, and then that was defeated. And then, uh, finally, uh, McKinley comes in um, as the next president, and they try to get um, him to uh, go for the annexation. And I believe the uh, McKinley um, signed the treaty of annexation, but it still needed to have. Uh, the Senate approval for for an annexation, you have to have a two thirds a two thirds uh, majority kind of a thing in both houses, and then um, a lot of the native uh, um, citizens of Hawaii formed another one one more time. Another committee was uh, uh, made the, for the petition against annexation, and they start pleading with uh, the Senate committees and stuff. And the treaty was that was already got, given the nod by McKinley was defeated in the Senate by the petition of the of the Native Hawaiians. That's so, a big thing too. Is that now Grover Cleveland has left office and McKinley comes in. McKinley, not a well thought of president in the big scheme of things, right? Um, He's another one of those assassinated presidents we talked about in the last episode. Mm -hmm. But the weird thing about McKinley is this is one of the first times we have complete evidence that uh, it was J.P. Morgan, uh, Carnegie, and Rockefeller all combined uh, their wealth in order to pretty much run (laughs) McKinley for president. They outspent his competition, a guy that we're going to get to another episode. It was William Jennings Bryan, who's known as the Great Commoner. He was such a threat to them because he was trying to you know, uh, change the country and the redistribute the, the wealth. Yeah. That the, those three billionaires, you know what I mean? They went ahead, they combined it. They outspent five to one to run McKinley, who was like a dud of a human being. But now McKinley's in office. So you don't know if it's actually McKinley's idea to annex Hawaii or if people just see that there's you know, a, a, it's a special interests guiding his presidency. You know what I mean? So they go ahead. They have him annexed now. Uh, one good thing that happened for Lily and for Robert Wilcox is that they were issued full pardons. Because now Dole got what he wanted. You're not a threat to me anymore. We are part of the United States. The monarchy is over. It's done, right? So they go ahead. Uh, now, the first thing that uh, our boy um, Robert Wilcox does is he fucking runs for Senate and becomes a representative of Hawaii. All right? So he's sitting there. He's like, I'm not going away. You can't kill me, but I'm going to be this thorn in your side. I will be the dingle on your ass. You know what I mean? I will be – and he's sitting there. He goes ahead and uh, he runs and he runs on a free Hawaii campaign. He's elected unanimously almost for his first time. Uh, and he pretty much – it goes to Washington to be a pain in the ass to talk about Dole's oligarchy. They're still painting the guy as a villain. Now, as soon – he went from being president of the Republic of Hawaii, right? This guy Dole, who was a missionary back then, he has now made the governor. So officially, Hawaii's first governor is Sanford Dole, who pretty much – Who was the president who – Exactly. <laughs> overthrew the queen. <laughs> So now that gets a little bit goofy here. Uh, so that, that moves into the free Hawaii thing. And this uh, – I'm going to wrap up here in a second. Did you have anything else you wanted to add to this one, LP? Um, 
just the, really the the thing that really tipped the scales as far as annexing um, Hawaii um, really became the Spanish-American War. Uh, you know, when as Spain as things started heating up with the Spanish uh, over Cuba, the Philippines, and of course with Hawaii as well. That uh, um, then all of a sudden we decided that we were going to not form a formal annexation kind of a thing, but they put it through as a, uh, a vote of Congress, and that you only needed a majority vote, not a two-thirds. Not the two-thirds. Ma- not the two-thirds ah. majority of vote. So uh, although the Queen and her representatives, if you will, were able to convince them not to annex uh, Hawaii, um, now with the threat of the Spanish-American War, and, and uh, you know when they blew up the Maine in, uh, in Havana... Uh, you know, remember the Maine? That was a that was a big uh, that was the big battle cry kind of a thing. That now now we've got America even, on the world stage, right, on the world stage, and even more importance given to Hawaii as, as a strategic point in the middle of the Pacific. Which is cool. Now, so uh, it's officially a state, right? It, uh, Hawaii is now taken over. It's, it's a, not a state yet. Well, no, because it but was it's a, a territory. Oh, a territory. Correct. I apologize. It's, uh, there is a, um, a distinction between the two of those. So I appreciate uh, you pointed out. The thing with them that gets a little bit goofy here, and I do say goofy a lot because American history is it's pretty goofy. Um, you're, you're not wrong exactly. in the slightest, especially considering last week that Charles dude, like, <laughs> it, it, you're totally right. <laughs> it's um, Now, Lily's married, right? But she got pardoned, right? Uh, now, her husband was a little bit of a, a, a weird guy. He was an American, a full-blown American. John Owens Dominus was her name. That was her American husband, and apparently he was a bastard of a guy. Uh, they had no natural children together, uh, but Lili had adopted several in that Hanai custom or whatever they call it. Right. Um, now, she was given her full pardon. She began staying with her husband's family back in the States. She would split her time between Hawaii and Washington, D.C., where she remained committed to a free Hawaii and sought out recompense for the loss of her kingdom. They finally – Bill Clinton was in office, actually – when they finally put out the, uh, 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 on paper, a formal apology to, uh, for the violations of international law that took over uh, Hawaii. So Bill Clinton was the wow. first guy to actually finally said, not that he was the first guy to do it, but he, it, it's, he was the first guy to endorse it, if you will, where they made this giant public apology to Hawaii for how things went down. Was there like a, like a revitalization of the movement around when Lincoln was, was president? Is that why Me he Clinton? did it? Be- what, what, sorry. Yeah, it was Clinton that put that out. Clinton, sorry. Yeah. So, no problem. But like, is it... Because it's it's such a long time span, you know what I mean? Because well, there's still yeah, it's or weird. is it taught like this way of history about how they're at this point that people are like, oh, we owe them an apology. Well, Lili's palace uh, still stands. It's Iolani Palace, I want to call it, and then Washington Place, where she was kept in captivity under her house arrest, and then lived the remainder of her life. Uh, that is actually all still standing, and you will see a Hawaiian home rule thing that they still want to do. Okay, so there's still there's a direct lineage still as well. It's, it's debatable, but it's a lineage of uh, uh, the family, if you will, for the, what the royal bloodline would be uh, to restore the kingdom of Hawaii. So there's people that claim to be descendants of you know Lili Ukalani and all these other people, but uh, she did spend all of her time in Washington. She actually sued the United States for Hawaii. She did not win the case, but there's a formal case of Lili Ukalani versus the United States of America. Okay. So they go ahead, and uh, she finally gets uh, issued like a uh, kind of like a monthly allowance, if you will, by the United States, right? So they give this monthly allowance thing, and it's kind of like their way of saying sorry about that. But this woman is such a class act that uh, she winds up joining the American Red Cross, right, and spends the rest of her life kind of dedicated to the Free Hawaii Movement. But uh, she's also, like I said, 
composer of over 130 uh, you know, uh, songs and everything like that. What's it, Aloha Oe? Or something? Yeah, I don't know what it's actually called, but Aloha Oe, Aloha Oe. It's considered one of the most important songs in Hawaiian tradition. Okay, she wrote that song herself. It was about a sailor uh, getting receiving a lay from a Hawaiian girl who thought she was never going to see him again. Because you never know when your port's coming. You, know, you never know when your time's coming with that stuff. But uh, So yeah, Elvis has covered that song. Johnny Cash has covered it. It's appeared in Disney movies. I mean, her thumbprint, you can't tell the story of Hawaii without talking about our girl Lily. And uh, what I thought was really cool with her, too, uh, her, as far as she's being remembered, she is remembered so fondly there. Uh, when she died, uh, the funeral was uh, like a huge event. They even filmed it back then. She made it to the age of 79 before she passed away. Wow. And uh, they, the children's choirs were singing that Aloha Away song. All right, so they were singing that. And they said that when she died, the sea seemingly turned red and, and long dormant volcanoes became active again. Right? There was a couple of volcanoes that went off on the island. And then also they said the sea had a shade of red to it because uh, there was so many like red fish or something. It was almost like the islands were paying respect. Like the red tide. Yeah, the, the final you know the final queen of Hawaii had finally come to rest. That the monarchy was truly dead. But uh, wow, pretty fascinating. So she's all classed to the end, like I said. And uh, there is still a direct uh, royal lineage with her, which is cool. But that's her legacy. She is so fondly remembered. Sanford Dole, okay, the guy who became the governor of Hawaii, the first governor ever. Uh, Who made himself president and then governor. Exactly. Uh, He is an interesting guy because here's how he's remembered in Hawaii. There's a bunch of schools named after him, stuff like that. He is the first governor. You can't take that away from him. But the crazy thing is that uh, the natives named a certain kind of a moss that grew on the island. It was like a white kind of a moss. They nicknamed it Dole's Beard because if you look at Sanford Dole's beard, it goes all the way. He could wipe his ass with this beard. That's how long down it goes. Damn. Stark white. I mean, he looks like an old prospector. You know what I mean? It, it's a very Yosemite <laughs> Sam kind of a thing. He's out in the Nevadas someplace. But meanwhile, in this time frame now, while well, he is, like, I'll put it to you this way. I had Cousin Kelly on the show last week. She's awesome. We love you, Kel. But uh, if Kelly took over a small island, I would probably go visit. You know what I mean? So Dole has a cousin that comes over. It's his cousin once removed. Okay, his cousin John comes by in 1899. Okay, and he founds a company known as the Hawaiian Pineapple Company of Oahu, later named Dole Food Company. Dole bananas. Dole, no Dole bananas. Way. Dole pineapples. Uh, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, so every time absolutely. you see a Dole logo on anything, realize that that fruit is being you know. Uh, it's essentially uh, it, it's an accomplice to the overthrow of the Hawaiian monarchy. What the hell? <laughs> and, his, and his cousin Sanford was, uh, I'm sure, a little little helpful in his establishment oh, it had, in, in Hawaii. <laughs> so now here's the thing: I do love this podcast. I love hey, history. Familia. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I don't want to ruin history for anybody. I love history. I think you. I think we all cherish it on the show, which is important. But we have ruined Oneida Silverware. And we have now also ruined Dole Food Company. So anytime you're eating a Dole banana, realize that you're part of the overthrow of the beautiful Polynesian yeah. kingdom of Hawaii. Or you can cut, up, you can cut no open more Dole your, bananas. You can cut open your Dole pineapple with a, a night of silverware. I hear that I is bizarre. I would. Uh, it's tough to. Now she's not a loser because she was a bad person. She was an amazing person, but she is a loser because when you're the last queen of anything. You want to? What's the rule in uh, camping, Dad? Is that you want to show up and you want to leave the place? Leave the site better than you found it. So uh, she comes into power and she's like, "All right, I got this. I'm going to make some changes." Whoa, whoa, not that many changes. So she lost her shit on that one. Did you have anything else you want to throw in? Yeah, I just had one little side when the when the vote uh, originally came before Congress as to whether an X or not. uh, Of course, they had to have a report, and that guy Blount 
gave the report, and he was opposed to annexation, but he was under uh, Grover Cleveland. Uh, Grover Cleveland appointed him, and as we already said, that he was against um, uh, imperialistic kind of maneuvering. Um, although this guy Blount was definitely a white supremacist, what was interesting, when the new regime came in and the, the balance of power within the House changed, they they decided, well, we really need to have another report on this whole Hawaiian issue. And there was a guy by the name of Morgan, and he issued the Morgan report, which totally contradicted the Blount report, that um, this whole New Lands resolution was enacted by Congress that, yeah, you know, we, we really got to expand our, our, our territories here. Wow. When you start doing a little background digging on this guy Morgan, he's another Southern Democrat. And this is Reconstruction era um, South. He's an ardent racist. He's an alleged grand dragon of the KKK in Alabama. Uh, he, that's where he represented Alabama. And uh, he was an ardent supporter of the whole idea of sending blacks to either Hawaii, Cuba, or um, the Philippines. So in other words, and rather than giving everybody the equal vote, let's just ship them out. If you're not white, you're you're not allowed. And um, yeah, I, trying to turn Hawaii into perhaps. one giant Dave Matthews band concert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. But, I mean, like, holy cow! I mean, it's, she's not that, a loser. That just flipped me out when the you know. Wait a minute. The first supremacist, the first white supremacist, said it's not good because we'll be accepting more people of color into the country but then the second report negated that and said well yeah, maybe that's a good place to ship them off to <laughs> it's like are you kidding uh, me the, the oh zeitgeist back then we'll never understand it um <laughs> I will say this real quick. Lily's not a loser, but she did lose the kingdom. So that's why she's making this episode of American Loser. I, if there's a scale, I've talked to you about this. Because so far, Grover's at the top because he's peak, not loser. But then we have Gateau. Gateau, Gateau whatever, how the hell ever you want to pronounce Charles's Gattu, last name. Charles Gateau. Gateau's last name. He's the lowest on the totem pole. I put Lily right in the middle because she is not clear clear as day winner but she is definitely not a loser imagine if she had dug in and started a war she would have lost her throne too she would have lost her life and that white ethno state that morgan was trying to create probably would have come into reality so in a weird way she preserved her people and they did it with honor and dignity and uh she's so fondly remembered dull a little bit of a douchebag mm. we'll see i don't want to know but i, I do want to have any lawsuits against uh, american loser here. Yeah, exactly i do want to say something real quick though. i love you hawaii <laughs> <laughs> i do want to say one thing real quick though as always want to thank uh, uh mike zapsik and ming chen over here at a uh, shared university i want to thank the big kahuna for being behind the ones and twos on that one i want to thank my father for making me love history and also joining me uh with this project i want to thank my beautiful mother who's sitting over there in the corner and uh mom just stop flipping the middle finger will you <laughs> All right, we're leaving soon, Mom. i got to plug my dates here real quick. Uh, the next time we record this podcast, I believe I'm going to be 31. Um, so on Wednesday, the 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th, so that is Wednesday through Saturday, I'll be down at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club with my boy Joe Fernandez, one of my best friends in comedy, one of the best joke writers you've never heard of. Joe Fernandez, come on out and take a load of me. He's going to be there the entire week. I'm really excited about that. 
And right after that, one of the best joke writers you have ever seen. I have four shows, uh, Friday, two shows, uh, the 21st, and two shows on the 22nd as well at the Bud Lake Comedy Shop. Okay, I believe it's uh, in a hotel up there. Uh, go to JJ Comedy for information on that one. I'll be opening for all four shows for the legendary Dom Irera, fresh off the roast of uh, Bruce Willis. I'm very excited about this. It's an outstanding way for me to start my 31st year on this planet. Uh, that being said, I love all of you guys. Thank you for listening to American Loser. We'll be back next time.